Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Do you know, one of the things that um, Andy's been saying in the last few weeks, and he's absolutely right, is I think that people are open to the gospel more than at any other time in my life. I also think that those stories of people um, uh, in church now that weren't in church before the lockdown is absolutely true. But I think if I'm honest, that's only part of the story. I think if we're honest, we'd also recognize uh, recognize those of us that are in church each and every week that there are some empty chairs. There are some people who haven't come back. There are some people who've kind of wandered away from their first love. And it's not a prophetic statement. It's just a statement of the fact that when there are so many people in the room as uh, are in the room now, that chances are that if I was to come and visit in 10 years' time, there would be some people that are here today that wouldn't be walking uh, with Jesus. And I've got to be honest, uh, 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 that breaks my heart, actually. And one of the questions that I ask myself a lot of times, and I ask the Lord and I speak to my wife about, is... Why is it that some people make it and others don't? Why is it that some people are that good soil and some people who are not? And I, and, and I felt that today what I really wanted to talk to you was about the patterns and the habits that you can develop in your life to make more chance that you're actually going to actually run your race uh, strong right to the end. Now, to be honest little bit of a confession. I'm the sort of person who very easily loses things. I'm also, uh, I like to be super busy, which means that, you know, in my day when I'm, I'm going from here to there, sometimes I'm leaving things right to the last minute. I'm leaving, you know, the, the, the opportunity to jump in my car and go to the next meeting right at the last thing. And one of the things that I know that I could so very easily do is lose my car keys. It's, you know, and there's nothing more frustrating when you want to go somewhere to find out uh, you've lost your car keys. And, um, and so I've got a pattern. I've got a pattern. When I get in from home, uh, when I get to home on, on a night, when I open my front door, I lock the door and I immediately put my keys in the drawer. Uh, when I get into the office on the morning, uh, when I walk into my office, the first thing I do is I put my keys on the right-hand side of my desk. I do it almost without thinking. It's almost a kind of professional sleight of hand now. It just happens automatically. I don't think about it. It's, it's a habit, and it's a pattern I've developed. Little uh, confession time, not something I'm particularly proud of, but I, I'm, I, I'm actually uh, 59. Yeah, just checking. 59. And for f- about 57 years of my life, I bit my nails it's not a nice habit, is it? It's, you know, and I did it, and I just thought, you know, after 57 years, I thought, enough's enough. Get some discipline into your life. So I stopped biting my nails. But here's the thing is, deep down in me, I've got this habit of biting my nails. So I'm now a person who intentionally doesn't bite their nails. It's not a habit. My habit is to bite my nails, but I've decided that's not a good thing. So I've developed another practice that if I do it long enough, eventually will become a habit and I will be, I believe, a better person uh, for it. So my question to you is, what are the habits and what are the practices, what are the rhythms that you are developing that will allow you to do some things and stop you doing 
some other things. So let me ask you a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is one where I ask the question and you don't answer it, okay? You just think about it, just to be clear. Let me ask you a question. The, the question is, what are the first recorded words of Jesus? What are the first recorded words of Jesus? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to read from the Bible from Luke chapter 2 and starting at verse 41. It says this, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was with their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking, their, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, listen to it, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. So here it comes, right? The first words of the Messiah, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, Heaven's Darlings, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the way, the truth, and the life, the great I am. Here he is. Here's what he says to his mom and his dad. And I believe that he's saying to every follower of Jesus that's ever followed him since. Get ready. Strap in. He says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in, in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to him. I find this fascinating. The very first words um, that we hear from Jesus is effectively saying, is it not obvious I had to be in church? Can you see that he even prioritized spending time with his father, time in the body, ahead of his family? Now, I know that that's, in, in the 21st century, that's a controversial uh, statement. But let me just be clear. The Lord has given you a responsibility. He's placed you in a family. It's his gift to you. It's his highest calling, other than his, your relationship with him, is the relationship that you have with your family. And as a result of that, there's sacrifice. We know that we do things for them that we wouldn't do for other people. We provide for them. We love them unconditionally. We appreciate them, or, or at least we should. But it does not, and it should not, be in place of our relationship with God. You see, Jesus himself, as a young boy, elected to disappoint and confuse his parents with his, did you not know question, uh, uh, rather than just actually do what they wanted him to do. Now, I know that that's hard for you to hear, and, and it almost, as I say, it makes us feel uncomfortable, but there's some truth in how we actually make it is by prioritizing God first, seeking first his kingdom, and then all the other stuff gets added unto us. As course, as his life went on, his parents would have understood why he mod modeled the priorities the way that he did. He totally respected his parents, but he had to put his heavenly father first. Uh, I had a family in my church, just great, great people. And so often, they just didn't turn up at church. And of course, 
I would say to them, oh, guys, we missed you last week. What happened? Oh, our kids arrived just as we were about to leave. And I was like, what is the pattern that you're showing your kids? That actually, if your kids turn up, you just go, oh, well, we, we, we won't go to church. And of course, what happens is both uh, over the years, both the parents and the children fell out of relationship with God because they hadn't prioritized it. So my question to you is, what are you doing with your families? What are you modeling to your families? Are you putting your relationship with him first? What do your actions say? Following his baptism and 40 days of totally relying on God in the wilderness, being tempted by Satan, Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit. He goes to various synagogues and he's been praised for his teaching and, and as a notable teacher. And then it goes on to say this. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, and set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Bang! The starting pistol has been fired. Jesus has declared that he is the embodiment of the kingdom that has been prophesied for years and years and years before. And where does he do this? Well, let me say this. It wasn't on the steps of Herod's palace, nor was it in, on uh, the doors to Pilate's citadel, not even in front of the temple. No, it was in his own local synagogue, in Nazareth, his childhood home, the place where he'd been brought up, where he had been educated, and where he'd been an apprentice carpenter. Listen to this. I genuinely think it's key. It's so important that I feel like I, I, I want to say it to people again and again. I can't shake it. And I don't think I ever will unless the Lord gives me a different message or, or, or he comes back himself. Listen. Listen, I believe it's so important. Get your notepad out. Write it down. Put it in the back of your Bible. Engrave it on your heart. Well, let's be honest with the message. Tattoo it on your arm. It's that important. Listen to this. And on the Sabbath day, he went into synagogue as was his custom. <laughs> Hello? Can you see what's happening here? Jesus, on the Sabbath, every Sabbath, was in the synagogue. The high king of heaven felt he had to go to church. And so when we think, do you know what? I'm going to give church a swerve today. It was his custom. Maybe oh, I'm a bit tired. Maybe I'll sleep in. It was his custom. Sunny day, let's head to the beach. No, it was his custom. Do I really need church? It was his custom. It was his custom. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm being the miserable guy. I don't want to sound like I'm on your case. I don't really want to offend you. 
I love being popular. Who doesn't like being popular? I love doing life with you. I think you're all amazing. But if my priority was popularity, I'd be selling ice cream in the summer, not trying to teach from this powerful, life-changing, explosive, revolutionary book. I'm called to lead. And that means not just sharing what people want to hear, but what people need to hear. Let me share with you from another story of the life of Christ. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. As usual. As usual. What does that mean? Well, it meant as usual. It meant every day Jesus preached in the temple and then he returned to the mountain to spend time with his disciples, to reflect on the day and to be in a small group and to pray together and take time aside to be on his own with his father. He had a personal time. He was in a small group. He had a one-to-one relationship with his father. And so should we. If we think if he needed it, I think we probably need it a bit more. So I want you to think about some things that might help you. I want to talk about patterns and rhythms that will help you in your relationship with God. Do you know, uh, during lockdown, um, Leslie and I, my wife, uh, we got into watching programs about farming. Just one of those things, you know, it's just kind of little, you know, peace from the world. The rural little became increasingly attractive during this most tumultuous of seasons. Here's a couple of things that I learned that helped to fit in with the parables of Jesus. First of all, lone lambs don't survive. Do you know, it's an unpopular thing to say, but one of the reasons that you always want to make sure that lambs are with their mothers and with the rest of the flock is that when they're on their own, literally crows come and peck out their eyes. And they don't just go blind, that means they die. You do not survive on your own. I remember watching also a program and there was, there was um, a massive flock of sheep and then there were three sheep on their own and, and the farmer said, so the problem with these sheep is that they don't actually fit into this flock anymore. And the problem with um, sheep is they're flock animals and therefore they're not going to survive. They're unfruitful. They're not actually doing what they're required to do and therefore they need to go to market because sheep need a flock. I don't, I don't know how you feel when, uh, you, you, when you're called a sheep, when, when Jesus is called the shepherd and you're called the sheep. But my friend, a mentor of mine, once told me the story. He was brought up on a farm and, uh, and uh, his, 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 his family were uh, generations of farmers. And he told me the story about uh, one day that his, his, him and his dad were having to take the sheep from one pasture um, to the other. And there was a river in between and there was a bridge um, uh, over the river. And they were going to um, take the sheep over the river. And, and so they began to take the sheep. Uh, and of course, they drove the sheep from behind. And as they did, the, the, the sheep, some of them went across the bridge. Most of them went straight into the river. And as they went into the river, they just went down the stream and they drowned. And sheep after sheep after sheep after sheep just went into the river and drowned. What's the point I'm trying to make? Well, sometimes when Jesus calls a sheep, it's not a compliment. Sometimes sheep 
are really stupid. One of the things uh, that I do every, uh, every year, and uh, uh, obviously the last couple of years not, um, I've not been able to do, is go to India. I want to show you a picture should come up behind me um, of one of my uh, uh, last trips uh, to India. Um, there's my friend in the blue shirt, is Prasad, and uh, the guy in the orange shirt is, um, is, uh, was our driver, um, a guy called Vinay. And then the guy uh, um, in the purple shirt is an ex-communist who's now a, uh, a pastor. Um, the fact he's an ex-communist means his meetings are the best organized meetings I've ever been to. They're fantastic. They always run on time. It's brilliant. Anyway... Um, one of the problems in India is all the time I'm, I'm speaking, um, I have a translator. And, um, and sometimes I've realized that some of my illustrations, they don't translate very well. I remember teaching some pastors once and I said, guys, guys, let me tell you right now what the elephant in the room is. And as I said that, everybody looked around the room looking for the elephant. Um, I, I, I also, uh, in, in one of my... Uh, uh, beforehand, my, one of my proudest illustrations, but afterwards proved to be quite stupid, was um, for two years they'd had the Formula One in Mumbai, and I did this pastor's conference when all my illustrations were about Formula One. So I was talking about having the right fuel in the, your tank, the right rubber on the road, uh, you, you know, the right... Dis I mean, it was brilliant. It was a really good talk. And uh, we broke for lunch, and I said to Prasad, how was that then? He said, oh, it was good. It was good. It was really good. I said, oh, thank you. And he said, the only problem is nobody knows what a Formula One racing car is. So I was like, oh, my word, this is so stupid. So I went to Telangana, and I was going to this meeting. Um, and I said to him, look, Prasad, um, tonight I'm going to be talking um, about sheep and, uh, and, and the shepherd. And, uh, and I just wanted to run my, uh, my talk past you. And he said, sure. And as we said that, we arrived at the place where, where you see the land there. And uh, as we were, we were about to buy that piece of land, actually. And as we did, uh, the, the guy at the back, if you put the picture up again, you'll see a guy just came and joined us. And I said, oh, who's this guy? And the pastor, the local pastor, the guy in the purple shirt said, oh, he's just joined my church. He's a shepherd. I said, amazing. That's brilliant. So this is what I'm going to be preaching on, okay, it's a story you know. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought, brought them out all on his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So I said to this guy, oh, you're a shepherd. Can you tell me, when you're with your sheep, what do you do? And he said, and I'm not joking, and of course it's all through a translator. He said, well, when I want to go out of the village, I go ahead of them. I'm like, that's cool. And I said, well, well why do the sheep follow you? And he said, because the sheep know my voice. They know my voice. So I said to him, Look, I, I, like I've been driving around India and there's lots of people on the road with sheep. And how do you know which sheep uh, are yours? You, you don't seem to have like any branding on or any markings. And he said, I know them because they're my sheep. They're my sheep. And I, I recognize them. They're all my sheep. And then he said, and I'm not joking. Honestly, it sounds ridiculous. He said to me, one day 
I lost a sheep. I was like, oh, this is absolute gold. And he said, yeah, I lost a sheep. And I said, oh, why? What did you do? And he said, two years later, I was walking through a village. And a man brought his sheep through. And in the middle of the flock, I saw my sheep. And it knew it was my sheep because it knows my voice. And I know its face. You see, there's something about being a sheep. There's something about staying in the flock. There's something about following the shepherd. Malcolm Gladwell says, in order to become world-class at anything, uh, you know, whether it's piano playing, football, whatever, you need to do 10,000 hours of training. You need to have a little bit of natural gifting, but you have to put the hard work in. Well, to be good at anything, that means, according to him, nine hours, three hours a day. That's a big commitment, isn't it? That's a big commitment. Most people can't think like that. So let me give you a little breakdown. I, I read a thing by Josh, Josh Kaufman, and he says like this. If you want to do something, number one, break it down. Decide what you actually want to do and how you're going to manage it. So I want you to think about now your disciple life. I want you to imagine that you're deciding that you're going to spend more time reading the Word. You're going to spend more time uh, with God. You're going to spend more time praying. You're going to spend more time in community. Rather than thinking, what's the maximum I could do? Think about how you break it down. Learn how to correct yourself. So don't come up with your big plan. Just uh, 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 get a coach, get a mentor, read books, get online. Don't spend ages on your plan. Just correct it as you go. Thirdly, and uh, this is so important to this generation, now and I speak to myself in this, remove distractions. Turn off your phone, turn off your TV, turn off your computer, focus. I want to say this, and this is unpopular to a generation in the 21st century. Nobody concentrates more when they're listening to music. There is no evidence of that. You're actually more distracted when you're listening to things than you are on the task in hand. I'm not saying you shouldn't in order to make the job more pleasant. I'm just saying don't kid yourself that you're becoming more uh, effective. You're not. Make a commitment. Don't worry initially about your competence. Just commit to a time, a pattern, a target. Look for some accountability to somebody to say, look, I'm going to do this. Will you check up on me? Those who are thriving in their relationship with God have an intentional focus of connecting with them. And it costs them something. But the, the rewards always outweigh the cost. Uh, you know, the rhythms and practices in my life are, are nothing great, uh, you know, nothing spectacular. But, you know, the first thing I do every morning, I wake up, I go to my iPad. Um, uh, the iPad's got shortcuts on it, and it says, it says this. It says, uh, it, uh, the phrase, it says, the Bible is normally your first engagement on pickup. And actually, I like that. You know, actually, that makes me feel, you didn't say Facebook or BBC News, or it says the Bible. So I read the verse of the day, I watch some teaching that comes from that, I do a daily Bible study, and then I normally look, uh, watch a little bit of a sermon, and then I pray. I have a pause app on my phone that encourages me to stop and reflect and pray uh, multiple times during the day. You see, technology works for me. I like the discipline, I like the count, I don't like to lose the pattern, you know the pattern that says, you have done this consistently for 100 days. I don't want to go back to number one and have to start again. 
So, you know, some of you will use Lecto 365 by Pete Gregg and 24. Just find something that works. Find a paper-based guide, you know, whether it's Word for Today or Every Day with Jesus. Or, you know, if you've got um, a good discipline, just open the Bible and ask God to speak to you. When I joined the message, I just finished reading through the Bible using the Murray McShane method. And uh, it allows you to go through the Bible in a year. And I'd worked for the message for about two months. And, and Andy says, I'm encouraging everybody to read the Bible. And we're all going to read the Murray McShane method. And I said to him, oh, I've just finished it. And he said, Gary, I think you should do it again. You need to be disciplined. You should do it again. I was like, so because, you know, like I do take authority and discipline seriously. I was like, okay. So anyway, I got into it. And about four months in, I had a one-to-one with Andy. And I said, wasn't the Murray McShane readings today, weren't they amazing? And Andy says, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm in week two. And it was about four months in. <laughs> and then, since then, he was like, Gary's a very peripheral Bible reader. I have to be deep into the Word. It takes me weeks and weeks and weeks to work through. But it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. You've got to have your own pattern, the one that works for you, the one that connects you to Jesus. You cannot outgive God. I love that every morning we plan to pray as the message, that we have a spiritual discipline. And I think for activists... And for evangelists and, and, and for the sort of creators that we employ, it's super important. I want to be part of a local church. I want to be part of a, a small group. I want to open the word intentionally. I want to be equipped for all that God is calling me to. I want to be here for the long term. I don't want to mess up in the final part of my life. And I don't want you to either. You're on the front line, guys. And everything you do is about getting your basic training right. I want to finish by reading to you just a key scripture that I just want to encourage you to meditate on regularly. It's one that you all know. It's Ephesians chapter 6, which says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Guys, I commend spiritual disciplines and patterns of devotion to you. It's something that will help you finish strong, to be there and hear that, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray as we bring the band back. Father God, we just want to be people that intentionally say, tomorrow, Lord, I want to know you more than I do today. And this time, Next year, I want to be more of a man of God and more of a woman of God than I am today. 
Lord, I pray that you would help me, that you would encourage me, that you would discipline me, that you correct me, that you would rebuke me, that you would bring me intentionally into your presence. Lord, I want to be a person that runs after you, that chases after you, that doesn't miss anything that you've got for me because I'm a person of the word, I'm a person of the spirit, I'm a person of community, and I'm committed to your plan, which is called the church. Father, I want to be part of the body that, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the body and the bride that is ready uh, for you, that you are making ready for your return. Come, Lord Jesus, and take your place in our lives. Amen. <laughs> Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.